This is Free Talk Live. It is the live Saturday edition of the program. We're launching into hour number one. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. You can, of course, take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line for you. 1-800-259-9231. Join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site there are totally free, so enjoy those on us. That again, freetalklive.com. Show about your calls to the phones we go to start things out. It's Johnson in Connecticut on the Amp line. Hello, Johnson. Hey, hey. I wanted to bring up something from uh, last night's show, which I thought was very good. I know you guys spent a lot of time on this, but uh, I, you know, I had chimed in a little bit, and I didn't really get to finish uh, a point that I was making, and and that is, I really sort of wanted to tear up Marx's uh, even even though he he's it's just a philosophical debate, I, I feel Mark has has felt he has gained a victory here, and I want to take it away from him. Oh, uh, good. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. What what you'll have to do is recap his uh, supposed victory for everyone just tuning in. Well, I like I'd like to have Mark help me out a little bit. He's he's good at he's re- recapping. I think he can ask the same question again, which is uh, in relation to he, he's sort of attacking your beliefs on property rights and and also on um, just in general how uh, government works. He I said know. that I he basically said that because I believe in property, it invalidates my other beliefs. Not exactly. Um, what you know, basically, I was saying that uh, you believe in a certain form. Of, of non-government, you, be, you believe. I believe in self-government. Self-government, and um, it, with that self-government, you believe in property rights. That Private you have the property, right, right yeah. to defend your property. And I was, and therefore, that's the only legitimate form of government um, in your mind versus all others because um, uh, you know of the voluntary aspect of it. I believe what you were specifically bringing up was uh, consent. You're specifically talking about government and consent in right. relation to government. Right. That the, the only form of government would be a government that everyone consented to uh, be governed by. Which is supposed to be what we have today. And since you don't consent to this particular government, this government that we have in the United States of America is invalid. It's illegitimate, correct. Illegitimate. By its own rules. By its own rules. You're not, you're not um, sovereign in your mind. So um, I was saying that simply because you consider yourself sovereign of um, sovereign over your own land and you're willing to defend that land with firearms against intruders, that if an intruder came on your land to steal property or whatever, mm-hmm. um, that and that person did not in fact believe in property rights, that you that that your form of government is therefore invalid because that person doesn't isn't voluntarily uh, subscribing to your particular uh, belief in government, which is the b- ability to govern your own land. Now, I think we should clarify here, you know, when we're talking about property rights and these things, and, and you said, um, you know, it made his beliefs illegitimate. And I don't think that that necessarily would make his beliefs illegitimate. I think more of what you've, you've created is a cash-22 that would make Ian's beliefs hypocritical, not necessarily illegitimate. But, and here's how I'm going to explain how they're not uh, hypocritical okay. or even really Ill- illegitimate. Um, first of all, Mark, I have to ask you, do you believe in property rights? I do. Okay. So you believe in property rights, and we also need to kind of uh, define what sort of person would not believe in property rights. A commie? You know, at all. Not in any well, shape, way, shape, or form. The, um, a person that wouldn't believe in any sorts of property rights isn't necessarily what we're talking about here. We could believe in, say, um, a situation where Ian had a great deal of land, um, acre, you know, hundreds and hundreds of acres of land, and he, and, you know, there are people in the United States that do have that amount of land. A person could believe, um, 
for instance, that uh, they could homestead on somebody's land, give uh, 30 days notice. If Ian never noticed within 30 days, that person could uh, have lived there a year before Ian it was even, ever came to his mind. Now, that person doesn't necessarily not believe in property rights. They just don't believe in them in the same way you do, or Ian does. Quite possibly, but I think that in the specific case that we were mentioning last night, it was we were talking about a fairly small plot of land. We were talking about somebody who, you know, where the case where Ian does give the person notification and and does go in and and say, you know, hey, this is my land. Here's the warning. It's time for you to get off of it. And what the the point that I would have to bring up is, if you believe in property rights. Um, you know, your entire argument, if it invalidates Ian's argument, also invalidates the very concept of property rights. Because, well, how is it, how is it that you would define property rights is the real question, because I think that property rights essentially are gained not from a title or a piece of paper from a, the government, but essentially that property rights only really come about from someone with a gun defending a piece of property. Sounds accurate to me, um, but so, I, I don't disagree with property rights. I, I believe that government does come from the uh, barrel of a gun, and uh, I think that the best, the best government is a government that go- governs the least, but I think that we, in fact, do need some kind of government just to give the ground rules for everybody. That way, Ian can, in fact, have property rights because the government says so. Okay, but here's, here's the point that I'm making, is that the reason why Ian's argument is not invalidated is for twofold. Even if we were talking about the major the situation where he's on a major plot of land, huge amounts of land, someone has moved in, they're there for a year, mm-hmm. Ian then, you know, in a libertarian society, could go and warn them and not necessarily shoot them, because I think Ian's a fairly reasonable person. I think most people in a libertarian society would be fairly reasonable and would enter into some sort of dispute arbitration, right? Okay. Now, in you know in the libertarian society again i have said that i believe that property you know comes from someone defending their land with a gun essentially which this these people would be doing if they are supposedly living on Ian's plot of land so arbitration would need be necessary to establish who claimed that land first right well i i suppose but i'm not sure that uh, everyone um ian included i'm not sure that they would necessarily be willing to enter into arbitration ian would you be able be willing to lose your land to an um if an arbitrator said that it was okay that your land goes to uh, somebody who had homesteaded it for a year well, if I've got clear title to the land, then I have no reason why I wouldn't want to go to arbitration. Well, but because you might lose your land, the arbitrator might say otherwise. What if he believes like this person does? Right. Well, then it comes down to, like I've said, it comes down to the gun. And whether or not you're in a government system or not, that's the way it works, is if there is no recourse for uh, dis- you know, for reasonable dispute, it will come down to guns. And here's the difference between a libertarian and someone who is not a libertarian. Someone who is a libertarian believes in taking responsibility for the force that flows from a barrel of a gun. And that comes down to a one-on-one sort of thing. It's, it's not have other people come in uh, for you to deal with your problems and your situations. Now, um, I think somebody reason- t- before you go on, somebody called in last night to and rightly pointed out that when it comes to the government acting in supposedly in your behalf, which of course they're usually acting on their behalf, they don't have responsibility for the actions they take with firearms. They can do whatever the hell they want, and there's no consequences for it. Right. And I think uh, one of the the other major difference here is that you know with with the whole situation with arbitration and whatnot, when uh, 
Somebody who doesn't believe in property rights, first of all, if you're specifically saying someone does not believe in property rights, and yet they're somehow claiming a piece of property on Ian's land, that's sort of contradictory. Well, because uh, uh, understood, but that person, the person who doesn't believe in property rights, we could set up a scenario where that person is simply coming to liberate your car from the hands of the evil capitalist to give it to the people. Right, but that's still someone who is not, they're not believing in your property rights, correct? Correct, and they don't necessarily believe in, in anyone's. They're going against your rights. Well, I find that to be somewhat like, again, I, was t- I brought up the, the notion of someone who was sick last night because, for example, a sociopath who does not believe in the rights of life to, an, uh, to another person or a murderer who does not believe in your right to life is infringing on your rights. Now, the reason why it doesn't invalidate Ian's philosophies in any way is because you don't need consent to defend your rights. Never. You never, ever need consent to defend your rights. And in order for your claim here to be correct that Ian has been caught in a philosophical catch-22, you have to not believe in your, you know, you have to not believe in property rights. I don't think that's true. I mean, I'm simply putting up a scenario where it, it could occur, and the person that would be... You have put um, up a scenario in which there could be a conflict. However, Ian would not be invalidating his, his philosophy because in his philosophy, he is defending one of his rights. Right. I'm not but, initiating force on those people. I'm, They've not, I'm not saying force Ian's wrong me. in the scenario. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying simply that um, Ian says that his form of government is the only legitimate one, or form of lack of government, because... It's voluntary, and um, it you know that, that person is not. It's still voluntary. That person is not voluntarily things. consenting to his form of government. That person believes that they have a right to take away his property because he is enslaving the masses. Let's see. It doesn't Hold matter on, Johnson. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. This is Free Talk Live, the live Saturday edition. Your number to dial in toll-free is 800-259-9231, the SACL-CAI toll-free line for you. And uh, that's 800-259-9231. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. The bulletin board system's there. We've got over 250,000 posts for you to surf around through. Serious issues and fun stuff, you'll find it all. And it is all completely free at freetalklive.com. Opportunistic lawyers, judges... Future ex-spouses, disgruntled ex-employees, and meddling bureaucrats. These people want to take your money, home, and car. What have you done to protect yourself? At KeepYourAssets.net, they are experts in sheltering your wealth. Go to KeepYourAssets.net and take their asset protection crash course today. They'll show you how to keep your assets. KeepYourAssets.net. We're talking about sort of a theoretical situation that we actually delved into really heavily last night, and apparently uh, we didn't quite finish it up, or there were some some remaining points that uh, some felt needed to be made. Johnson is on the line from Connecticut, and uh, for those just tuning in, we're talking about the idea of uh, self-governance, the idea of private property ownership, and how to libertarian-minded people, that's a pretty paramount factor. I mean, it's it's pretty much the concept that the, the whole philosophy of liberty is based on of is that you own yourself and therefore you can own other things and private property is really important and if you own private property you can set whatever rules you want to for it and so on and so forth and uh mark you had said that in the uh, in this world where individuals can own their own private property what happens when a commie comes along and decides he's going to steal your car you say that that invalidates uh, our belief in self-government. I don't believe that uh, who our, our is, I'm not sure. Um, but what I believe is um, the comparison between 
libertarianism and, say, free marketeers like yourself, somebody who doesn't believe in any government at all. Um, one of the, uh, the, the claims is that I'm a statist. I believe in a government, and governments are you know, inherently bad. Now, I'll, I'll give you that. I'll give you that governments are problems and that the best government is the government that governs the least. But, um, you know, that the idea that since there is no valid uh, form of government um, that can, can, you know, rule over us, that therefore the only form of government that is right and just and good is the form of government where everyone governs themselves and uh, enters into voluntary associations with, uh, 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 you know, these governing agencies that, uh, like insurance companies, that kind of thing, that would uh, protect them, that them, them, their families, their property, that kind of thing, from marauding bad guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and you you're saying that, that when the, the communist comes, valid. you're saying that when the communist comes along and tries to steal your stuff, that that um, because he hasn't volunteered into your private property system because he doesn't believe in private property, right. he's never. That, he's, therefore, the the concept of uh, private property or the, our our system, the right. voluntary system, becomes invalid. That's correct. Is what you're saying. Is is that pretty much what he uh, what you uh, understood him to say, Johnson? Yeah, I think so. It sounds like that. You know, it sounds like it, not not necessarily invalid, but that it becomes, I guess, invalidated by its hypocrisy. I mean, I guess if if we're going to say because the word invalid is sort of. You know, it's odd. I guess hypocritical is more is a better a better term to use there. But here's the reason why. And again, I'm going to point this out: is that rights don't. You know, in, you have a conflict of beliefs. You have supposedly in the situation, which is again an example of one of these ludicrously extreme situations, which even in a libertarian society would never happen. Because again, in this example, you have a communist somehow uh, somehow wandering into Libertopia land and suddenly deciding that he wants to uh, liberate property, which means that he's going to have to lay claim on someone else's property, which means that he believes in the fact that it is property that should be taken. So <laughs> in that sort of example, he is our, this, this sort of sicko commie is believing in, in property right there. But the other thing is, is that the reason why it doesn't invalidate uh, Ian's philosophy is because you don't need – there is a conflict of beliefs there and a, and a, 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 um, a dispute that needs to be resolved. And you don't need consent to defend your rights. You never need consent to defend your rights. And that is why Ian's philosophy is not validated, because just because there's a conflict here – Rights rule. It's it's his right. Ian would be in this situation defending his right to his property, which he believes is his, and therefore it you know the philosophy can't be invalidated. Johnson, I'm not disputing um, that Ian is right and and um, in the right to defend his right to property. I'm not disputing that. I would agree entirely that that is the case. What I would so am I a hypocrite or not? What I would disagree is um, that your belief in – you're not a hypocrite, Ian, at all. You're believing in your form of government, which is just as invalid as all other forms of government because this person, this communist, this sicko, this weirdo um, doesn't believe in your form of government. He doesn't opt in. He's not voluntary. He's opting in when he takes my stuff. No, he's not. And I tell him to put it down. No, he's not. He's liberating it. 
Well, I'm going to liberate oh, him from his life. I, I right. would totally agree that you would have the right to, to, um, to shoot a criminal that's stealing property from you. I totally agree that agree with that. But that what what that proves is that you're willing to use um, involuntary means to That's enforce not involuntary. your form of government. Warning. He had a warning. He could have chosen to drop it. Look, you can get a warning from our government currently about paying your taxes. Right. That doesn't see, make it right. Okay. But Mark, what what is going on here is that he's saying, okay, in in. This person ha- is immediately uh, opting into the system as soon as Ian says, this is my property. Now, this person has the choice to say, no, this is my property, or no, I'm taking this property for someone else. But as soon as Ian says, this is my property, that socialist or communist or whatever they are um, has to make the decision and knows that this there is a plot of land, that there is property there that exists. Regardless now, jo- of whether or not they believe it or not, Johnson, they know that someone else believes it. Did Ed Brown... Now, the, the United States government, in the case of uh, uh, versus Ed Brown, he has not paid his uh, in- income tax. Does Ed Brown immediately opt in to the system by not paying his income tax? The United States government says that he owes money that he earned... I mean, but did they're he initiating force in? on Ed Brown. You're initiating but, force no, on I'm the not. communists. They're initiating force on me by taking my stuff, Mark. The, the, okay, Mark, again, this whole thing it would, be, would require that what you're saying is that in order for Ian's philosophy to be wrong, the entire concept of property rights must be invalid because then if one person believes that property rights if one person does not share Ian's belief that property rights exist then that invalidates the entire concept. I of disagree with that, rights. Johnson. I say that one person um, not believing, not voluntarily opting into the system where property rights are tantamount, then invalidates that system in the same way that all government systems are, to Ian's mind, invalid because they are invalid. There's a difference, and that is that the government initiates initiates force, and under my system, no one's initiating force except the communists. The government believes that your labor belongs to them. They have set up a system where your labor belongs to them. That's that's what this income tax is all about. And by keeping your income tax, like Ed Brown does, you're initiating force on them to their mind. It, what it is is you've got different sets of beliefs here. And sorry, that's that's just not. I mean, thank you, thank you for the call, Johnson. Appreciate it. Yeah, there's no initiation of force when it comes to Ed Brown or me. We're working hard um, doing what we do. We're getting paid for doing what we do, and we keep it. Um, You're suggesting that keeping the things that you own is initiating force? That's insanity. I'm not suggesting that. That's what you just said. More on the way. Free Talk Live. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It is a live Saturday show. You can take control of the airwaves and bring up whatever you want toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line for you, 1-800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site for free. They include the Shrine of Female listeners, the dozens and dozens of ladies who've sent us their validated photo to prove they listen to the show. See what I mean by heading over to shrine.freetalklive.com. That is shrine.freetalklive.com. Dot com. I want to give you a chance to clarify what you said, because as I understood what you said a few moments ago, Mark, you said that when government wants to take tax dollars from somebody mm-hmm. and that person does not pay the tax dollars, like, say, Ed Brown in Plainfield, New Hampshire, that 
the government people believe that to be initiated force upon them. Right. You're stealing their stuff. Well, do you really think that that's the case, or you're just no. saying that's what they think? That's what they think. I believe that. Okay, Ed but Brown you would agree with me that they're wrong, right? I, absolutely. I, you know I would. Okay. The, you, um, because that's, that's the equivalent of saying that, uh, you know, when an armed brigand comes and asks you for your money and your wallet by you not giving it to him, that you're initiating force on him, which is insanity. Ed Brown is having the force initiated on him by the federal government. Just because they think they're doing the right thing, just like maybe the thief thinks he's doing the right thing, doesn't make their belief system valid, nor does it make it right. But their belief system is currently. One would one could argue that it's at least um, in a large minority, in a controlling minority, if it's not the majority of the people believe that taxes are legitimate and legitimately belong to the government, that you are responsible for paying your income tax just like everyone else. Right, well, like yeah, like I said last night, there you know, or two nights ago, a lot of people used to believe the the Earth was uh, flat. So it's certainly possible that a number of people can be under uh, operating under a delusion, uh, but that does not na- that does not mean that what the government is doing isn't force. And that what uh, we're doing by keeping the money that we earn is forced. Not at all. Just because some I'm people think so. There's a dispute about ownership at that point due to government systems. Right. Well, due to uh, yeah, propaganda and misinformation. Therefore, um, you're not talking about uh, initiated force as much as you're talking about um, a dispute of ownership. Well, it is initiated force because there's no dispute to ownership. I mean, I contracted with an individual to get paid to do a certain job. That's pretty easy to prove. I got paid to do that job, and then this group of strangers comes in and says, hey, we own a part of that. I mean, it's easy to prove who owns what. It's easy for um, it's easy to to see it from your and my perspective mm-hmm. that yes a person worked for the money that they um that they you know they worked for the money they earned and therefore the government doesn't have any right to come in and take it from them and therefore taxes are invalid I can see that I totally agree with it right. as a matter of fact but I'm saying that uh, you know in when you're disputing forms of government calling one form of government illegitimate because it collects taxes another form of government no, no, the legitimate government's illegitimate because it initiates force that's why it's illegitimate. Okay, but the initiation of force by anybody is illegitimate, whether it's people calling themselves government, an armed brigand on the street, the communists trying to liberate your property or whatever. Anybody initiating force, that's the problem. The communist who might be trying to liberate your property doesn't believe he's initiating force. He's liberating It doesn't matter what he believes. He's initiating force whether or not he thinks he is because he's stealing things. I'm saying the initiation of force. force. But the initiation of force is subjective. I don't agree with that. How could you say that? How can I say that? Just because certain people are psychopathic and sociopathic and they don't believe they're initiating force doesn't mean that that's subjective. It means they're not so. That's what it means. All I'm saying is it's better to look at forms of government as what's practical rather than um, what's legitimate and what's not and, and dissing well, other pract- forms. Initiation of force is never practical because it always creates, as we document on this show six nights a week, the initiation of force always creates unintended consequences. Absolutely true. Let's go to the phones and talk to David in San Francisco. You're on Free Talk Live. David. Yeah, oh yeah. I've been listening to this with interest, uh, realizing that the uh, gold uh, brokers have been selling gold for, you know, for the last uh, few years that uh, Bush has been ruining the economy. Uh, well, it's the, the, natural... the whole government that's been ruining the, ruining the economy, not necessarily one man, but go ahead. 
Well, you're right. Uh, uh, there, there's been an, act, an active sabotage of America uh, to essentially uh, devalue our currency and to demand uh, that we go into a, a specie economy. Yes, and that's true, we, but that's been going on for almost 100 years. I'd like to point that out. Well, long before well I don't disagree with you on right. that, but it's, uh, the, the issue has always been if we go to a gold standard, uh, then there is never enough gold to go around so that you'll be able to get all the projects done. I don't uh, know what I mean by that. that. Well, I mean, you can't. It's pretty difficult to have uh, nuclear power plants and space age world and submarines and all sorts of. There's there's not enough tonnage to be able to to create a value for everything that exists well, and that's to have not true. enough growth. You can well, also have silver um, in addition to gold. And secondly, if there's a shortage in gold, it just means it's more valuable. So I'm not sure what your issue right. is. Right? There's no. Is there a shortage in um, dollar bills? Uh, well, the the issue of a fiat economy, which is uh, when you put the, the value of the total economy as uh, everything that has been produced before, and uh, then you get into to projects that are valid, uh, you know, whether or not they should be financed, you know, like an education system or a sewer system. If there's not enough tonnage to go around, but you need a school, there's not enough tonnage of gold to go around, but you need a sewage system, there's not enough tonnage to I'm go around. I'm sure they're not laying gold pipes in the sewage system. What are you What are you referencing when you say there's not enough tonnage to go around? What do you mean not by that? Not enough tonnage of gold to pay for every sewer system oh. in in the country or what, in the world. Well, what yeah. you're talking about is as people need as as wealth is created, then the value of gold would increase. Um, because it's become more scarce. Right, and you're it's not actually... Scarce, it's a scarce resource, and therefore, um, you know, the more people want it to do whatever project, be it sewers or schools or whatever, right. the value of it will increase. And okay, the gold that you're, re you're referencing isn't going to be passed from pocket to pocket. It's going to sit in vaults, and then banks will issue scripts, uh, notes that represent that gold. So it's not like there's going to be gold passing from hand to hand. Right, and in addition, trunks to move it. In addition, even if there is some sort of issue with supply, the marketplace will come up with something else to uh, to be valuable whether it be well, silver and, and or whatever this this argument and this issue has not been uh, it's certainly not a new issue it goes all the way back to Moses and so when you go back to Moses and you find how he looks at the property ownership of land um, his concept of it was that God owns everything and that if uh, if humans decide to use a piece of property then they have to use it in accordance to how their neighbors uh, approve of it so Isn't that the uh, economic some, rent theory, uh, some sort of communal property theory? Well, it's the, the, the specific of it is, is that, and they had pollution long, long, long ago. Sure. If you had somebody uh, that just moved upstream and started dumping some kind of pollution into the water or sucking up all of the, the water that used to run down a river and, and uh, diverting it to somewhere else, all of the neighbors had the right to, to put up a squ uh, squeal. And they had the right to run that person off of that land, no matter how they got it. I would agree. Because the neighbors had existing uh, arrangements, and that the neighbors were working with projects for a long time ahead of time. And if some polluter comes in and just says, I got it now, adios, uh, you know, you're suckered, uh, you know, that, that's... 
so look I, at look at the original concepts of Moses's management of land, well, and you'll find a, a, this whole discussion of commies taking this or commies taking that. That's such hokum because it the the reality is is if you've got a polluter and he's not paying for how many people he's poisoning or or giving cancer to or or uh, diverting the water from or or ruining the the some sort of a system. Those neighbors have the right to run that. I would out. totally agree. In the system of in a system where property rights are tantamount, a person is allowed to pollute their land and their river as much as they want. But when that river becomes my river downstream, then they've polluted my river, and I therefore have recourse against them for them damaging my river. Or Absolutely. if they put bury um, you know toxic waste in the ground and it leaches into my ground and kills off my crops or makes my kids grow a third eye or something like that, I have recourse you against that action. person. David, thanks I, we for don't the need, call. Well, we don't need. You know, no- it's Interesting. You say you've said that it's my river. It, it, it's never that because the point originally. Oh no, no, you, see, you don't understand, David. God's He's t- land. No, no, no. It's God's green yeah. earth, and that we're just staying. I, I appreciate your your communistic mentality towards uh, the land, but what we're discussing is a, uh, a a theoretical world where everything is proper uh, properly. Excuse me, all property is privately owned. Thank you for the call. Certainly appreciate it. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. If I privately own the river and someone pollutes it, there's a lawsuit there. Simple. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line for you. That's 1-800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features on the site totally free, so enjoy those on us. If you like the show, you want to help support Free Talk Live, then go and shop at our store at store.freetalklive.com. Great Free Talk Live branded merchandise available to you direct from us. Store.freetalklive.com. And now you can save time and money on common legal matters. Created by top attorneys, LegalZoom.com helps you create reliable legal documents like setting up a corporation or limited liability company. LegalZoom.com. Use code FTL to save 10%. That's FTL like Free Talk Live. FTL. Save 10% at LegalZoom.com. Just before we go on with the phone calls and they're lining up, I want to make sure we really um, communicated effectively what we were talking about with David a few moments ago. Uh, David was a little concerned, you know, about, uh, well, what happens if somebody starts polluting a river? Then shouldn't people be able to shut that person down for doing that? And David was sort of operating in this, uh, the current world that we have today, where some property is owned by the government or the public, as they like to tell you, which, of course, you know it's not really true. It's owned by the government. But nonetheless, in the world we're discussing Everything, and I mean everything, rivers and lakes and roads and everything would be owned by somebody or some group of people doing business as a company or a charity or whatever. And the point is that river would be owned either entirely by one person or in part by each uh, property owner that abuts the river, right? So if somebody upstream pollutes said river, then they've polluted everybody who's downstream from them, and therefore they violated their property rights Therefore, there's, uh, there's a lawsuit waiting to happen. And also should be pointed out that because of government property ownership today, that's the reason why we have a lot of polluted, abused property. Because what, you, what you'll see happen is government land managers, they could care less what happens to the land that they're managing. It's, no, it's not financially tied into them, whether or not they're going to have a happy future or not, whether the land is treated well or not. So they don't care what happens to it. So they lease it out to a company, let's say a government forest, for instance, lease it out to a company. The company comes in, clear cuts the forest. 
And then they leave at the end of the lease, and the forest has been ruined, right, and they haven't planted anything else. You just, just ask a person, a landlord, who takes get better care of property, a property owner or a renter. And you'll know right away that... Uh, you know, the government renting land out is antithetical to all of us having, uh, you know, natural resources that we wish that we would um, have long into the future that we want our grandchildren to have. So when one of these companies comes in and pollutes or destroys a piece of property that's the government's or the public's property, there are no consequences for them. There are no consequences for the government land manager. He still gets to uh, retire with his sweet, sweet government pension, regardless of what happens to the to the property. Uh, the property ends up being ruined. The company doesn't have to pay a dime in restitution or anything like that because nobody's been damaged no identifiable person has been damaged and so it's a wash the property gets screwed the company benefits the government manager gets his promotion everybody wins except for people that care about property so what you do is you take that property and you put it into private hands as soon as private property as soon as uh, pro- property becomes private people c- take care of it because they want to sell it sometime down the line or donate it to their you know uh, to their siblings or or something like that or give it to their uh, their children and so there's all kinds of reasons for private property owners to protect their property from uh, from abuse and that's why you see private foresters on their own land planting trees as they harvest them because they understand that it's good to be sustainable when it comes to your own property. And of course there are going to be people that find that uh, buying a piece of property and uh, disposing of uh, you know their garbage or whatever on that piece of property is cheaper than going about the proper ways of disposing of things. But those people that chose to do such a thing would likely in all likelihood damage the properties around them at some in one some way shape or form either the uh, you know some toxic waste seeps down in the aquifer or um you know they kill off uh, you know they release nuclear radiation all over the place that uh, you know causes people's uh, kids to uh, grow up deformed or something like that all those people would be liable for whatever damages they cause right. by their indiscretions. And they know it in advance. Just like today, they know in advance that if they lease the property from the government, they can do whatever the hell they want. In a world of private property, they would know in advance that if their little containment system screwed up or their uh, leakage went onto somebody else's property, that they would be um, arbitrated. Or the, if there was a government court system, they'd be forced to pay for it. They'd be forced to pay restitution. They'd have to clean up the, the property they polluted and pay restitution to the property owners that they polluted, mm-hmm. which means that um, th- in order to pay those costs, they'd have to raise the costs of the products or services that they're selling in order to recoup the money that they paid out to these people, which means they'd be less competitive in the marketplace. Let's say they're manufacturing bug spray, right? You know, you've got Rage, you've got Off, or, or whatever the, the brands are, and then, you know, X-Brand. And X-Brand accidentally pollutes the uh, properties next door to them. They have to pay all this money out in restitution, so they have to raise their prices on their uh, on their product, and that means that more people are going to buy the competition's product. Essentially, it could put them out of business. So, that's a cr- that would become a critical mistake, and you better believe that companies that are looking to make a profit will be very, very careful about, about polluting. And in, in a world where... Co- um, companies didn't have the protections of uh, corporate, corporate, you know, corporatism, where they could incorporate and, you know, if if I decided to open a uh, pesticide company, I could pollute whatever um, that put that company out of business, and then I wouldn't be liable because mm-hmm. I was incorporated. That's wrong. Right. The Look, corporation's if, liable. If I did something, I should be responsible for it. Exactly right. Let's go to the phones and talk to Lou in Florida, listening on WFTL. Hello, Lou. I have a question for you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Your property rights are based on the European power of the European settlers in New Hampshire. If the Indians, the original owners of your land, had the numbers, 
they would come and take your land, and they they would say that your title is illegitimate because you stole their land. Just I didn't like steal the, their land, Lou. Did you steal some Indians' land? Wait, do you see what's going on in Zimbabwe? The white farmers who have been there for over 100 years one day woke up, and Robert Mugabe, the black leader of Zimbabwe, decided he's going to take their land. Yep. And since the blacks outnumbered the white farmers, there was only about 4,000 white farmers he came in and took their land, and what did they do about it? They couldn't do a damn thing. They about couldn't it. do anything about it, and I, I right. understand so what you're what talking would you about. Do All if the... I came up there with an Indian tribe, and we came and we took our land back. Okay, you... um, here's 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 the scenario, Lou. All land, as you as you have correctly stated, all land has been stolen in one fashion or another by one That's group correct. of people so from your, another your group your of people. Your title is illegitimate. So what you're saying is is that your in title fact, is illegitimate. hold on just a second. What you're what you're saying then is in fact um, there is no such thing as property because all of it's stolen. No, and that's a completely unworkable scenario. That's because you're living in a libertarian fantasy land. But but, but hold on, Lou. Under under the current scenario, under um, current law, I mean, I lo- own a I piece of land. I don't recognize your rights. Well, I don't recognize because you're a white settler. I understand you what you're saying, Lou, and and I uh, you have a valid point, Lou. I'm totally agreeing with you, your point. But the system is entirely unworkable. I have a piece of land currently, right now. Today and some Indian could come along and say, no, 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 "Hey, some Indian, you know, listen. The only reason you have the power to control your land is because you have enough white settlers there to back you up." Right. There's a government but system, people Indians, with guns that will defend it. Our, Correct. If, our, if the Indian guns outnumbered your guns, just like the black guns in Zimbabwe outnumbered the white guns, we take your land. You, you're absolutely and you right. You do a Lou. damn thing about it. You're right. So what good is your libertarian ideology if you can't defend it? You can I can defend it if I intend to. I intend to defend oh, my land against anybody who wishes to take it, take it away from me with a gun. What if your tribe is outnumbered like they were in Zimbabwe? Then I guess you die. Thanks for the call, no, Lou. No, Appreciate it. We are outnumbered right now. The government, I mean, I mean, we're not technically outnumbered because there are more of us than there are of the government, but uh, there are more, there are less of us willing to stand up to the government. So at you know this point, we are outnumbered, and that's why we keep paying taxes to these armed brigands that are coming along demanding it. Armed brigands being the government. Yes. Exactly right. So you, so yes, Lou is correct. If indeed here in Keene, New Hampshire, if indeed the Algonquin decided to uh, to come back and uh, run roughshod over the thirty-five thousand people, let's say they had a hundred thousand Indians, mm-hmm. uh, and they wanted to run all over the place and uh, destroy things and kill people and do all that, well, I guess that's how it would work. Yeah, then. you just there wouldn't be much you could do. Um, but it's too bad because I didn't take the property from them. It wasn't me. I I wasn't around 200, 300, 400 years ago or whatever the hell that was done. Well, but it, even in Florida where Lou lives, um, you know, the Seminoles could just as easily come to Lou's house and say, hey, look, um, actually there's a, there's a tribe that's a little farther south than the Seminoles, and I can't remember what they are. But they even have a more legitimate claim because they never signed a peace treaty with the United States government. But what uh, if Lou said, whoa, guys, I'm, I'm uh, one-eighth Indian. Yeah, right. And a fat lot of good that's going to do. These <laughs> Indians want your land. And... You've got to either give it up or die fighting for it or win. Those are your choices. 1-800-259-9231. We're kind of the Palestinian problem to some extent. I mean, you know, Jews can make an uh, an argument the other direction. But, you know, there's a a lot of problems like that in the world. How about the the Cubans? I mean, there's Cubans living in Miami right now that are still alive that had their land taken from them um, in 1963 by Castro. 800-259-9231. I don't think they want to go back to Cuba, though. 
Oh, I think they would if uh, if they could get their land back. You can take control of the airwaves. Hour number two is coming up on the way here. Uh, still got some calls on hold. We'll get to those. Plus, watch your ice cream prices. We'll tell you why they're going to rise. It's Free Talk Live. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. We're launching into hour number two. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line for you. That's 800-259-9231. It is Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us online, freetalklive.com, the place to go. The features there are totally free. Let's go right into the phone calls here and talk to Brian in New Hampshire listening on WNTK. Hello, Brian. Hello, um yeah, I uh, just have a local uh, heads up for people in uh, the state. Um, yeah, well, there's, this is a national show, so I'm not sure. what I, is. I, what do you want to cover exactly? It's just a quick heads up that there is going to be a police roadblock on Route 4 this evening. Okay. Is that um, all you had? That's all I How had. How do you feel Sorry. about police roadblocks? I uh, They scare me. Why? Because they're um, basically they're pulling everyone over. Um, giving them a test and uh, hauling them off in a paddy wagon. Well, the police would say it. that they're trying to keep you safe, Brian. Um, well, they're the the law the way that I've been I've lived in New Hampshire my whole life, and uh, I know some of uh, the Free State Project. Uh, I, it's an encouraging idea, but I've seen I've just been as I get older, I just look at what's happening with the state government and. Uh, you know, 20 years ago, a roadblock would be a scary idea to everyone. Mm. I mean, that's what they have in communist countries. I'm with you. I think it's very frightening. I think it's uh, it's an incredibly uh, disturbing sort of uh, circumstance to be living underneath. Uh, it's presuming you're guilty that before you you have to prove yourself innocent, basically, yes, uh, to these cops. If you if you fail this little breathalyzer test, you are guilty until you can prove your innocence. Right. Even if they don't give you a breathalyzer test, um, they're still, you know, stopping you and looking in your car and poking around. And to me, that seems like a violation of the Fourth Amendment, where a, right, a person has a right to be secure in their persons, uh, houses, papers, and effects. And I'd say my car is an effect yes. um, against unreasonable searches and seizures. Now, they're going to say it's reasonable. See, that's the problem with the Constitution is it just it just wasn't written well enough. Uh, the government will say, well, this is totally reasonable. We're protecting people from drunks on the road. Well, thanks, but no thanks. My time's valuable, and I can protect myself just fine. I'll, you know, keep away from the drunk in front of me, and, uh, you know, if one crosses over the median, then what are you going to do? I don't want roadblocks every other, you know, every uh, thousand feet to it make sure to that, that they we're can, safe. They can use these police officers they're using for the roadblock to, uh, you know, scour the town and look for people that are driving poorly. Pull them over. Yeah, but that'd be too much work, Mark. It's easier to just stand on the side of the road and uh, force everyone to pull Plus, aside. they might find some extra stuff, and that's always fun. You know, that's what it really is about, right? It's about looking into the suspicious cars for a marijuana cigarette or something like what that. What if you've got a gun sitting on the seat? In New Hampshire, it's completely legal to do, but I'll bet you you're going to get some trouble from the cops. Actually, I don't know if that's legal in New Hampshire. I, you have to have a concealed weapons permit. What, and, to have uh, a gun sitting on the seat? No, you, I, if I can open carry on my hip in New Hampshire, I can um, open carry on the seat of my car. I don't know about that. I believe there are some sort of rules that uh, that handle that. De- and Brian, you may know better than we do because we're relatively new here. But uh, are you familiar with the gun laws here? 
I am not sure. I know you can have open carry. I'm not sure if that extends to your automobile or I'm, not. I believe there's some sort of regulation that uh, that has that deals with the transportation of firearms. But nonetheless, Brian, thanks for the call, and I appreciate your concern. And what you might want to do is uh, is visit nhfree.com. Go to the forums there. I know there's at least one thread where people are posting the locations of roadblocks, and some of the Free State Project activists have been known to go out to these roadblocks with video cameras. And you know, just ask the cops a few interesting questions. So yeah, I I was actually contemplating going out there with a big sign. Do you feel safe? But (laughs) here's what you should do: you should go to nhfree.com, go to the forum there, get registered, and post a message letting people know what you're going to do. And then you won't be alone. Then other people will go out with you, and that'll help you keep uh, keep safe. Thanks for the call, man. We appreciate it. H uh, that's nhfree.com. One eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Let's go to John, also in New Hampshire. You're on Free Talk Live, John. Hey, guys. Hey, what's uh, on your mind? Let me just touch on what Brian said, and Ian, you're absolutely right. It's what I was going to say to Brian. Go to nhfree.com because that's what's happening. He needs to get support. we got a young lady here. Dave Ridley is free is what I'm calling about. we yes. got a young lady. She's not a free stater. She's a, she's a longtime New Hampshire resident, and as, as energetic as you can't believe, uh, followed up all the, with all the bureaucrats to get the information and tied it down to, you know, just this network of people with information to find out that Dave was going to be re- released yesterday. Now, let me recap here for everybody just tuning in. Uh, Dave Ridley, he's one of the activists up here in New Hampshire, one of the early movers of the Free State Project. He's sort of made a name for himself uh, in the activism world and the civil disobedience world by going and holding signs He's a silent protester, basically. He can speak. He just doesn't want to talk to the bureaucrats. So he'll go into a government office holding a it's sign. Articulate. He can he can speak quite well, and he can write quite well, and yes. he chooses not to speak to them at that time. Right. So uh, he went into an IRS office holding a sign, uh, protesting the IRS, and they asked him to leave. Well, he did very slowly. He usually leaves very slowly. But before he left, he handed the IRS agent a piece of paper outlining his beliefs. Since he wasn't speaking, he had written his beliefs down on a piece of paper and handed it to the employee. He also placed another piece of paper down on another IRS um, officer's desk. Then he left. Then the federal government decided to slap him with a $125 citation for so-called distribution of handbills. That was the crime he allegedly uh, committed, distribution of handbills. Right, as though he's going in there advertising a restaurant or a nightclub or something. Right, he, it, was, it was his opinions about the IRS on that piece of paper. And, uh, and to me, that falls firmly within right, the and, First and, Amendment. And this is Department of Homeland Security ICE Division that's, that's following correct. up on this. Like, they have so much to worry about in New Hampshire. They have to worry about people with a piece of paper or a sign. Yep. Let me tie that in. It's tough to go from the federal to the to the New Hampshire, and maybe maybe. Well, hold on, let me together. finish the story, and we'll finish this up here. But so the, he got slapped with this hundred twenty-five dollar fine. He went into court and said, "Look, I'll pay your fine if you can show me how it's constitutional. You know, show me the actual constitutional connection and legitimacy for this fine." Which, of course, they ignored him. They never bothered to do that. And then they threatened him with up to thirty days in jail. They ended up sentencing him to four days in jail. He spent three and then got out. So that's why you're saying he's he's now free. So he is indeed out of jail. But can you believe this? I mean, listen. A man spent three days in federal lockup because he handed a piece of paper to an IRS agent. It's, a, well, it's a incredible. The listeners need to know, Harry, Ian. One thing is that the federal government is so out of control that they're doing that under the guise of protection and homeland security and all that nonsense. Mm-hmm. And to tie it in with what Brian was saying, with a network, if, if he just makes gets plugged in, this this young lady uh, who 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 was just unbelievable, Ratty Dog is her name on the forum. Uh, 
just chasing down this information and communicating through the network, we were able to get a half dozen people there in the afternoon within a matter of hours, and this is a work day. Uh, When I showed up at quarter of four, there was already a woman there, and Dave wasn't going to be released until five. She was there with a sign. Uh, Before Dave was released, there was a half dozen of us. Dave Ridley appeared out of the federal building and, you know, to great chairs, and, and, and Dave, being the type of guy he is, we were kind of like, uh, you know, what do you want to do, dude? It's great to see you and all that. You want to go get something to eat? What do you want to do? And he wanted to hang around uh, just right there. And being a practical guy, after, after a half hour of just hanging around, and we kept our signs and banners and flags flying all during that right outside the building at the traffic, but not at the, at, at the exact busiest corner, Dave, being a practical guy, says, hey, if we're going to hang out, why don't we go up to the corner and we'll just keep this protest going, keep, what? It, keep it alive. And while we were there, Dave's calling his mom to let him know that he's out and, and tell, him about, tell her about the experience. And uh, calls were going into, you know, Porcupine 411 information so that people could get on the Internet. And he uh, immediately was back in the game, back in the activism game. So the three days in jail didn't scare him off. You mentioned this young lady that sort of was the organizer. What was it? She, you said she's not a Free State Project member. What was it that got her excited enough to do all of this? Well, you know, I, I haven't had the time recently to follow all the stuff on, the, on, the, on NH3.com, but apparently there was some minor thing about the f- local government hassling her about her dog, and she went oh, on the yeah. internet to find out something about being a, you know, have, be, having a little more freedom, and she came up with NH3.com, and she said, I think that she just kind of looked around there for a while and said, I don't know if these guys are nutso or what, and just trying to look and see who's more in favor of a little more freedom. And she just said, you know, things are just so damn wrong. Let's get active. Yeah, the and idea, I saw her post uh, about the dog, the idea that you have to pay this tribute to the government in order to own a, an animal that you want to take care of is absolutely she outrageous. She had this little dog with her, by the way. And, and I just want to finish on a couple points before you let me go. Um, we hung around there for a while, and it was just so pleasant to be with Dave and all that stuff, just like normal, just normal people. Um, and then they are great people. John, I'm sorry, we're short of time and lots more calls to get to, but thank you for the call. We appreciate it. And the important part, Mark, this young lady, she is pretty young, in her early 20s, attractive. We need more people like that in this movement. This is Free Talk Live. It is the live Saturday edition of the program. You can bring up whatever's on your mind. Toll free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line for you. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site, totally free. So enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. Some of those features include the wiki, by the way. There's over 1,375 pages created by listeners just like you. It's like the listener-editable version of our website. See what I mean? By head over to wiki.freetalklive.com. Live.com. Get interactive. That's W-I-K-I. Wiki.freetalklive.com. <coughs> excuse me. The Republican Liberty Caucus. There's no excuse for you. Uh, whatever. The Republican Liberty Caucus welcomes new members in the pursuit of individual rights, limited government, and free enterprise principles, all within the GOP. Visit rlc.org and click join us today. We'll find liberty together. That's rlc.org. As we go to the phones, to the fun, a, uh, let's go to Tim in New Hampshire, listening on WUVR. Hello, Tim. Hi, yes. Uh, I might be mistaken, and I'd like to be corrected if I'm wrong, but in New Hampshire, uh, you can have a weapon on the seat or on your person as long as there's nothing in the chamber and it's not loaded, so you can't have a clip in it. If you're in a car. If you're outside of the car, you can have it loaded on and on your person. No, 
Vermont, you can. No, no, no. We mean we mean open carry. The open carry is legal in New Hampshire. Open carry, yes. But bottom line, if you have it in your pocket, right? As long as it's not loaded, you know, something in the chamber or clip, you can you can have uh, a separate clip in another pocket. Okay. But you but you cannot have it in the in the firearm. So that so then that would not violate the concealed weapons statute if you don't have no. a concealed weapons permit. You can have a, an empty gun, unloaded gun in one pocket and a clip in the other pocket, and you aren't in violation. You got it. Good to know. Anything else on your mind, Tim? That's it. Thanks for the call, man. Appreciate it. That's I think our first call from WUVR. It's a little AM station up in northern New Hampshire. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Let's go to Menno, also in New Hampshire. Hello, Menno. Hi, man. Or, hi, Ian. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, first time on your show. It's yes, sir. On your show. Yeah. Hey, um, going back to the property discussion. Sure. Um, I just wanted to point out what I think. Uh, I think there was an erroneous premise that was stated by Johnson. Uh, property does not emanate from the point of a gun. If it did, it would completely um, obliterate the whole concept of initiatory force being wrong uh the the man with the best gun or the biggest gun would win and i could come and just with a bigger gun than you and take your property and it would automatically be mine that's i don't the, think he that's was, the reality of the world right i don't think he was saying that property emanates from the barrel of a gun but uh he was he was saying that it it really does when it comes down to a dispute uh inevitably it will come down to uh to firepower if you're dealing with somebody that doesn't agree with your ownership and there's um right. I, I guess that's what he was saying because the yeah property basically uh, it starts out with what you're born with, and then everything that you create is an extension of you, and thus your property. Or and are given. It, excuse me? Or are given. Sometimes you're given property. Sure. True. Yeah. Yes, there are different ways to uh, to acquire property for sure. But I think what he was right. pointing out was that when the you know when a communist comes along who doesn't agree with property period and decides he wants to liberate some of your uh, your possessions, that uh, at that point the only way to protect them is through um, you know protecting them with violence if necessary. Right, and a free market based uh, civilization. Um, Basically, across the board, people would have to recognize that basic premise of what property is, where it comes from, uh, and until they do, there might be a little bit of... You know, rough going. Sure. Well, we're going to have a lot of it, and that's that really ties back into what something I said last night on the show, and that is that right now what we have are people, and you mentioned this earlier, Mark, that there are a lot of people that believe the government has a just claim over a percentage of your income. Mm-hmm. They only believe that because, well, that's what they were taught by the government when they went to government school. So we're going to have to essentially re-educate most of America if that's something that we want to change. And it's an incredible task. Um, and it's it, you know we'll do it on a voluntary basis. It's not going to force anybody into camps or anything like that. But uh, it will you know take some uh, some some serious mind changing, one person at a time. And uh, and and I like what you're saying, Menno, and that is that in a free marketplace, people are going to have to understand private property and respect it because if they don't, then they're going to come face to face with a with a barrel of a gun. And I think they'll they'll pretty quickly figure it out at that point. Right. Anything else on your mind? Yeah, that was it. Thanks for the call, Minnow. 800-259-9231. Let's go to David in Montana. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, David. Hello, guys. I 
heard the other day you was on Saturday, so I figured I'd just take a shot. Are we on Saturday in Montana? No, uh, not in Montana. Oh, right, right, right. Okay. Yeah. He's taking hey, a shot. Uh, until, until we figure out that we don't own the earth, the earth owns us, I think it's going to come down to guns, man, and that's a shame. I, I wish mankind could get over that, but... Well, if time. nobody would, if if the communists weren't trying to liberate the property in the first place, then nobody would have to pull their guns out. So if everybody respected the property rights of everybody well, else, then nobody well, would I have to the, use a gun. The capitalists tried to confiscate a lot of property too through eminent domain. And Those aren't capitalists, David. Those are government people. Those are statists. Okay. <laughs> right. Hey, and guns in Montana, you could carry them on your outside, just like you know, in a holster, all loaded up. You could carry your rifle in the back of the truck in the back of your car. Do people everything. exercise that freedom there in Montana? Oh, yeah, all the that they time. do. Hunting That's good. Season everywhere. Everybody got a gun in the car. I doubt there's <laughs> a lot of uh, violent crime as a result of that. No, no, not hardly ever. <laughs> no, no, guns, um, you know, contrary to and what some people may block. believe, guns stop violent crime, not start it. No, that's right. I think everybody should be issued a forty-five at birth in in America. Right, because when that when that commie they comes, have stopping power. When that commie comes to my house well, to try to well, liberate, some... why you got something get? See, that's it. If we could just forget about right, left, commie, capitalist, uh, you know. Rebel. Yeah, but they won't let us forget about it. They well, don't believe we, in we, property, and we do. I mean, it's a <laughs> tremendous difference. Well, they believe in property. You know that that we. Let's take it. At, let's face it. We are on one little bubble out here in space. This is one world. Ever since Neil Armstrong looked back from the moon and seen the little blue bubble, we are one world. And I hope that mankind could work it out someday for that. And then you were worried about the roadblocks, right? Wait until you get a bill at the end of the month for carbon tax by how many miles you drive. They're going to be giving us these little black boxes. Oh, jeez. And, and they could tell where you're, uh, how far you drove, and you're going to get a carbon tax bill at the end of the month. I think they're starting that in place. I think London's going to be doing something like yeah, that man, soon. It's, they're, then they're going to make a whole new economy, economy out of these carbon things. He, uh, you're, if you buy a new washer, you're going to have to make sure you buy one that's, you know, uh, low energy and all that, or you're going to have to pay extra carbon tax uh, if you Yikes. fly on a plane. But, like, people could sell their carbon things if they ain't going to buy a new car or something like that. It's going to, But it's going to make a whole new vein of corruption and insurance and this and that. Oh, my God, I could just... And then, uh, the yeah, that's all we need is more taxes. That's great. Hey, David, do us hey, a favor. Uh, can we talk about the Border Patrol guys? There's You'll have to call us Monday night, man. we got calls waiting, but thank you for all the right. call. But do me a favor. Call uh, call John Stokes over there at the station and tell him that uh, you'd love to hear Free Talk Live's weekend edition on his station. I know he does sports all weekend, so it'll probably be hard to convince him. But uh, let him know you'd like to hear us because we're here live six nights a week. Thanks for the call. 800-259-9231. You can take control of the airwaves. Bring up whatever's on your mind. Ike in Arizona is on the way and your calls about whatever you want. It's Free Talk Live. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. <laughs> 
This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can bring up anything toll-free at 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us online. Freetalklive.com, the place to go. Get signed up for our updates, and we'll clue you in whenever there's something fresh to announce about the show. Updates.freetalklive.com to get on the list with over 800 other update subscribers. I'm so pleased, Mark, because it was a couple years ago that we switched over from Yahoo Groups to Google Groups mm-hmm. to handle our update service. And in that switchover, there were a bunch of people that sort of fell off the wagon because their emails are, were changed or whatever. For whatever reason, they didn't get the invites. We've been on a bunch of different stations, had been on a bunch of different stations over time. And, you know, some people came and went and that kind of thing. And I hadn't looked for the longest time at what our membership count was because when we restarted the group, we only retained like 200 of our members. Mm-hmm. And so it's nice that we've uh, quadrupled our memberships. 600? It's over 800. 800, wow. So uh, head over to updates.freetalklive.com. Let's go to the phones, to the fun. It's Ike in Arizona. You're on Free Talk Live. Ike. Good evening, gentlemen. How are you doing today? Great. What's on your mind, sir? At this point, I just wanted to to, uh, give you guys a little uh, argument about the idea that land itself cannot be owned. Okay. Are you arguing in favor of that concept? Yes. Okay. The idea here, I've come, I've spent some time thinking about it because of the whole question of, okay, if there's a finite amount of land, obviously it has a certain amount of value that will always go up in relation to the number of people in existence. Okay. So the question then becomes, how do we deal with property ownership in terms of land? Some that came to mind in the past was the idea that property is the basic is based on the creation of something which is basically one's freedom of action used on a natural resource. Right. So if Land you, if you uh, you know carve a little wooden boat out of a piece of wood, um, assuming you own the wood, then you have created value. Ah, but I don't believe you can own that wood unless that wood was first formed by somebody else. Well, how would you own anything then? He's arguing Simple, against by ownership. By taking natural resources and mixing them with your own actions, your skills, your time, your effort. Well, that's what carving take, wood is. Yes. Okay, wood, so, however, is not a property. It is a natural resource until it is either cut down from a tree somehow and then... How do I ever fashion. get the right to, um, to modify this property if I, if I can never own it? Because it's not own. I mean, it is a natural resource. By nature, you have the right to make changes to it. And so those somebody can come on uh, my my land where I live, and they can carve totem poles out of all of my trees, <laughs> and uh, they're completely sort of, legitimate. Sort of. And then at that point, they own the totem poles because they've carved totem poles out of all the trees, and I don't. Sort of. Okay. However, uh, hold on. I, I, I would I would venture to say just real quickly that you may have very well have a completely unworkable scenario here. Like you may have created in your mind something that doesn't work. I want to hear him out. Go ahead and, and explain this to me, Ike. Okay. Now, being that as it may, I've stated land, natural resources by their very nature can't be owned because they are natural resources. They ha- man had nothing to do with their creation. What about the uh, men However, that planted the trees? There's your difference right there. If you use your skills to change it in some way, shape, or form, you own the changes you've made. 
Well, how do you ever get the well, right you, to do such a thing? I mean, you could just go find land and then, uh, you know, put, you put right re- uh, trees in rows and then you own it? Mm-hmm. Okay. You have the right just by the fact that you expended the energy, the time, and the skill to produce that row of trees. All right. Now, um, how about this for a, sec- uh, for a scenario? You've got, um, you know, the... Uh, the scenario of the Cubans in uh, in 1963 that were run out of their uh, mm-hmm. homes by Castro. Castro took them away by force, uh, right, of wrong, course. or indifferent. Um, what what should we do about that? What we what should we do? What should anyone do? I mean, you know, here here's this atrocity. Forty three years ago, um, these people's homes, which are likely uh, you know in, in markedly changed by people who lived in them now for forty three years, do they belong to the people who live in them now or the people who owned them before they were taken by force by Castro? That's a good question. It's tough, isn't it? And the question the question then becomes: Who had the right to um, perform the changes on the property? The original owner of the property, if it was taken from the original owners, mm-hmm. then the original owners have the rights to even the changes on that property because the property was taken by force. I don't think that you've got a very workable scenario, though. Um, though. It's I not mean, workable. I, I will give you this, but here's my point on the whole matter. All right. Rights are not something that you are guaranteed. All that means is if you do something that is um, that is against the right, then you're wrong. That's all that means. Mm-hmm. Now, the idea here is you own the property until you give up that property. If somebody takes that property by force, essentially you still own it because there was no consent in its taking. I, I agree. I, I now, do agree with that concept. But wait, you said now, that or you said earlier that you can't own property. Well, you can no, if no, you no, modify it. No, 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 no. Land. Natural resources. So if I build, hold on, if I build a house on, uh, if I have a home built on a plot of land, then I I own that, right? Exactly. But how much how much land can I build um, build property on? Can I essentially homestead um, the entire moon? If I'm the first person who who lands on the moon, can I then uh, homestead the entire moon? What's that? Good luck defending it. I, well, now, now you're now you now it's coming down to defense, defending your um, home yes. with, with the force of a gun, mm-hmm. and I that's say what it always comes. I down say to. that's what it comes down to with every form of government. Yes, exactly. But the arguments about land being owned by uh, Indians or by somebody else, it doesn't really cut anything because they didn't do anything to it. They simply used what they did with it and moved on. So um, well, the Indians were kicked off of it, but. Uh, I'm not sure if that's really accurate. Some of them but built longhouses and, and that sort of thing, so they, they owned yeah. that land. In which case, those would be owned, yes. Those prop, those items on the property, the improvements I mean, are called some, in real estate. The, the Plains Indians, uh, sh- sure, they had teepees, they moved around, that kind of thing. So, but some Indians certainly yeah. had uh, st- stable uh, communities. So you believe that property yeah. must be improved in order to be owned. So you don't think that building a fence around a certain, let's say, un- unimproved area, that uh, the fence isn't enough improvement to demarcate uh, property ownership? <laughs> now, here's the thing. The fence is property. The trick is getting around it. So you can't you legitimately a a cross property. You cannot pass that fence without affecting it in some way. Ah, but what if I have a helicopter? There's a difference right there. If you have a helicopter, you can probably get past it, but it would be very, very difficult to deal with the fact that 
you'd never be able to get in and out of that property. Without, without the helicopter. Without that helicopter every time. Got it. And then, of course, like I said, there's the whole defensive aspect of the matter. It's all very interesting no. and unworkable. Well, I, I see where he's coming from on I that. I see what and he's it's, saying. It's practical. I mean, it is practical as far as somebody who owns a, a huge plot of land out in the middle of nowhere and just sits on it, never does anything with it. Um, it one could very well make the argument that if indeed there's somebody who has decided to homestead within the what is essentially an abandoned property, if all it is is just a title sitting in somebody's filing cabinet somewhere, then, uh, then he's saying that they've got a higher claim, right? Exactly. Fair. I could I could totally see that argument. In fact, I am pretty I'm actually sympathetic to it because if somebody can put that property to better use and it's been completely almost completely abandoned except for a you know a fence going around it, then mm-hmm. he's got an argument. It's I a think. case for the arbitrators. It is a case for the arbitrators. And thank you for the call, Ike. Appreciate hearing from you. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. And and you know what? That's where again the opinions of the marketplace would factor in. That's not democracy. It's the marketplace in action because um, each individual buyer and seller and individual gets to, uh, to decide and, and the arbitrator. It's sort of like democracy but, but works better in, in the sense of our democracy. It's less centralized. Um, you, can find, you can find city officials taking by eminent domain property that doesn't belong to them for whatever purposes it is that they choose to take it for. And those people were likely elected by a few per, um, percentage points of the population. Right. Um, and they likely had somebody running against them. So, you know. The marketplace far more accurately reflects the demands of the marketplace than government ever could because government only responds to any market demand only at election time and we all know how dishonest the uh, politicians and those people are when it comes to election time they'll say whatever it takes to get into office and they'll pretend like they're listening to you when in fact they're just you know your words are just passing through their ears so the marketplace is the best way to go about it more on the way it's free talk live This is Free Talk Live. It is the live Saturday edition. You can take control of the airwaves. The toll-free number is 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line for you, 1-800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com, where all the features are totally free. If you like the show and you want to help support us, then go and... AMP the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Over 380 of our listeners have decided to become Free Talk Live amplifiers, which means they're contributing three bucks a month to the AMP fund, which is basically uh, we pool all the money together and we turn it around into promoting the show to more radio stations, get on more stations across the country. We're on 27 of them now, and I would say 20 out of the 27, if not more, are a direct result of our Free Talk Live amplifiers. It's a great way to spread the message of freedom and liberty as far and as wide and as fast as possible. And we do a little bit more with the uh, with the money, and we list all of the things we do with it there at amp.freetalklive.com. SACL CAI has a full-orbed approach to account recovery. It's really three companies in one. They do collections, early outbilling, and they purchase charged-off receivables. SACL knows the way they treat your customer reflects on you, so their staff is respectful. They record every call, and they have the best equipment money can buy, so your business is handled as efficiently as possible. See their banner at free freetalklive.com or call 800-544-6359. Do business with businesses that support Free Talk Live. Now then, ice cream, you scream, we all scream for ice cream. Everybody knows that little uh, rhyme. Yeah. Well, now you might be screaming at the U.S. federal government. What do you mean? Because they are going to have a direct hand in the fact that you're going to be paying more for ice cream. Wherever you go, whether it's to the grocery store or to the local ice cream stand, you're going to be paying more for it. Why? I, I, that's my next question. Corn, my friend. Corn is the yes. answer. 
According to the Times Online in the United Kingdom, what's the connection between ethanol, the biofuel produced from corn, and cherry vanilla ice cream? Answer, the first is responsible for pushing up the price of the other. This month, the price of milk in the United States surged to a near record in part because of the increasing costs of feeding a dairy herd. The corn feed used to feed cattle has almost doubled in the uh, doubled in price in a year as demand has grown for the grain to produce ethanol. Christia Seed, whose family's been now, making... Now, I've heard that some of the, the, the futures uh, options on corn, you know, when you can buy it in a couple of years in advance, that mm-hmm. kind of thing, tripled. Well, good for them. It's not going to help us who want to who eat some ice cream. It's even worse, yeah. Christina Seed, whose family's been making ice cream at the Chinatown Ice Cream Factory for 28 years, said yesterday that she expected to have to raise her prices along with all competitors in the short term. Quote, we're holding out as long as we can, but prices will rise, she said. Amy Green's Havana Cone Ice Cream Emporium in Lincoln, Nebraska, has already raised its prices for a small cone to $3.50 before tax, up from $2.95 uh, cents a few months ago. That's a one-sixth increase in price Gosh. overnight. She also estimates she's paying $150 more per week for the butter fat that she uses in her ice cream. The squeeze on ice cream makers, chocolate manufacturers, and pizza companies, all of whom use dairy produce as raw material, set uh, set to tighten. As the price of a gallon of milk in the U.S. up 55% in the past 12 months in some American states is now the same as a gallon of petrol, with dairy prices accelerating faster than the cost of fuel. Prices for dairy products have also risen because of increasing demand from China and Middle East, along with the drought in Australia, reduced subsidies of the European Union, and the rocketing cost of corn. So, what started all this, Mark? Well, what started is ethanol. Yeah, and they changed the regulations recently, right. didn't they? See, that's that's the problem. Ethanol, in and of itself, may very well be the very best thing that can save us as far as uh, uh, you know alternative fuels. It may or may not. But having the government get involved and mandate, uh, mandate, you know, how much ethanol we use, what the mixes are, all that other stuff, changes the market play entirely. What if ethanol isn't the thing that's going to save us? What if this just screws with our gasoline and our um, dairy prices and our uh, meat prices and basically every price of every all produce? I thought ethanol. Now I don't. I'm not an expert on this, but I thought the purpose of ethanol was just to make it like burn better or something, right? What's uh, What's the purpose of it? It's it, it It's naturally occurring. Basically, is is um. It's it's uh, locally occurring. We grow the corn. We do not. Ha- we import oh, I corn see. oil. So it's a subsidy, basically, to the uh, the corn. Right. The corn we can growers. grow. Um. It's it's much more renewable than uh than regular oil is. That kind of thing. I gotcha. Can you make ethanol out of hemp? I don't know the answer. I wonder about that, because hemp's a pretty amazing product. 800-259-9231. Are you ready to pay more for ice cream? Let's go to the phones and talk to, uh, and, and anything else milk-based. Uh, let's go to the phones and talk to Alex in Florida, listening on WFTL. Hello, Alex. Alex in Florida, listening on WFTL, going once. Alex in Florida. Do we have Alex? Alex going twice? Yeah, we'll check him back. So, maybe maybe he's uh, Maybe he will come back here in a moment. Anyway, um, so the government, the federal government, has mandated that uh, a gallon of gasoline now has to have more ethanol in it than ever before. Am I correct about that? That's what's happened. Because there were already some mandates in regards to ethanol, but now there's more. Mm -hmm. And so essentially that acts as a subsidy to the corn farmers in America because it guarantees them a certain amount of business. Right. 
Now, they were already doing okay for themselves. Corn was already in pretty high demand. So because of that, now all of a sudden they have to shift all this uh, existing product that they have over to the uh, the gas industries Mm -hmm. uh, by essentially legislative fiat that everybody else who needs to buy corn is hurting because they haven't scaled up their supplies yet for whatever reason. I don't know. Maybe they don't feel like they have to, that because they've got this mandatory purchase uh, deal from the government that they don't feel like they need to scale up. Uh, who's that scaling up the, the corn. corn producers well th- it's not like there's um there's there's a finite amount of land out there and a great deal of land in the united states goes to producing corn um there's feed corn there's corn you buy in stores to eat mm-hmm. um and so i mean we there's a lot of corn being grown and it's not like there's just fallow land sitting out there all over the place that uh, can be immediately switched over to growing corn that land's being used it's finite so basically, uh, this basically what they're doing is they are um, selling it to the gas companies, mm-hmm. and then they're coming around to everybody else and saying, "Well, we're going to have to up the price because we've got these new regulations. We can't keep up with uh, the demand for it now." Right. And uh, you know, it, it's a market opportunity for somebody to get into the corn growing business if they can find some land that they can they can grow it on. I would think. But as of right now, prices are going up. They'll certainly look for. Um more land to grow corn on, absolutely, but largely we're growing the corn that we can grow. Um, at least that's my understanding, and therefore we have a finite amount of corn we can grow until we create the hybrid corn plant that can, uh, instead of producing two ears of corn, can produce Five, four yeah. or something like that. Then then um, the issue may change to some extent, but right now we're sort of stuck. We're trying Alex again. Alex in Florida, listening on WFTL. Last shot for Alex. Hello. All right, I'm here. I'm sorry, my mom called from New York, so I had to answer that call. Yeah, yeah, we know. Go ahead. <laughs> All right, well, I just wanted to mention that, you know, because I've been, I'm one who's, you know, I'm, I'm your typical conservative young guy here in South Florida. Okay. And, I, I, you know, I'm looking for, I'm looking for a better way to drive my GTO because I, I use a lot of freaking gas. And when I did the research, though, because I was thinking about they have, you know, these high-speed cars with that, that switch between ethanol and regular gas, the ethanol, if you on the long run, it's going to cost us more because of the fact that the cost of it is costing us the cost of it to that that's making the whole like you know like you said ice cream and and and, uh, and milk and everything else that that goes along with it and the byproduct from ethanol is is actually worse for the environment than just using petroleum for God's <laughs> sake. Figures. Know, ethanol may or may not be the answer. I can tell you what is not the answer, though, is is um, mandating the government mandating that we use something. Right. If the government oh, mandates. I agree. If, if government, yeah, I know, I, I know you do. <laughs> oh, yeah, if the government, <laughs> if the government mandates we use something, that only screws things up because the government's entirely inefficient. There's lobbyists out there. You don't think the corn lobby was involved in this whole eth- ethanol deal? Oh, you better believe it. Of course. I mean, if you guys really think about it, and this is something that, because, you know, for my, a lot of my family is from South America. Um, in South America right now, they're using natural gas. We're talking about the stuff that you pump out of your, your grill. It, gets, it burns hotter, it burns cleaner, and you have half the emission than you do out of petroleum. And it costs, I think if I'm not mistaken, it's, it's, it's uh, three-quarters of the price of gas. I well, mean... 
You know, I've seen cars. Um, I've seen cars that run on uh, liquid propane gas, and uh, they run yeah. significantly cheaper. The problem is, is in the right accident, they will blow up like uh, <laughs> like, like mean, sticks of dynamite. You get, it's a little bit of give and take, guys. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the call, man. We appreciate it, Alex. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. But your the point really is here that if the the government were to stay out of the energy business entirely, right? No regulation, no protection, because there's a lot of protection going on for existing energy companies. Uh, the oil industry would be the perfect right. example. Thank God the government business. didn't mandate that all cars run on um, you know a certain mix of ethanol and oil, then because because then or gasoline, because um, then they would have been giving a huge in to the uh, oil companies. Now you can't make a car that runs on. You know, uh, coal or right. God knows what else. But Solar they have, energy. They have done plenty of things to uh, boost the oil companies and protect them from competition. Lots of stuff. If the government They've got lobbyists, in, too. If the government weren't involved in all that, then we'd have com- really a lot more competition in energy, which means we might not even be driving gasoline-guzzling cars right now. We might have nuclear cars. Who knows? More on the way. Hour 3 is coming up. It's Free Talk Live. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free. But if you think other people deserve to hear this show, Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything toll-free at 800-259-9231 as we launch into hour number three of the live Saturday edition. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site, we give them away, so enjoy those on us. That again, freetalklive.com. Rolling right into the calls. Let's talk to Ryan in Texas on the amplifier line. Hello, Ryan. Hey guys, uh, last hour y'all were talking about ethanol, and y'all went through several different fallacies I wanted to straighten up. Okay, okay great. Good. Okay, first of all, there's no way possible that corn ethanol can solve our energy problems in America. I don't think we I don't think we that. said it did. <laughs> no, you said it had the potential to, and here's why it doesn't. If every single corn crop in America was was set to just make ethanol, that would only provide about 13% of our energy needs. Okay. There's no way it's possible. The only country that's sustainable on ethanol is Brazil, and that's because sugarcane, which they make it out of, is practically a weed there. So this is nothing more than a subsidy, right? Absolutely. Okay. Now, you've got to keep in mind, most people don't realize that the corn lobby is one of the most, probably the most powerful lobby in Washington. Is Archer they, Daniels Midland involved in corn? Absolutely, yes. Okay. They, they, they do a lot of ethanol. Um, but you think about it. Try and find a consumer product that doesn't either contain corn or use it in its production. Oh, yeah, it's tremendous. Everything. Now, another thing is ethanol is not cheaper either. You know, it comes out to about 85% of the cost per gallon of gasoline, right? Wow. Now That's before taxes, thing. right? Right. It, it, <laughs> it comes out to slightly less, but it has less energy density as well, so you lose miles per gallon. Uh. It comes out roughly the same as far as cost. There's... It just doesn't work. I mean, we definitely need to get rid of our oil dependency, but ethanol's not the answer at all. It's just a government boondoggle. They're trying to make themselves look like they're doing something when all they're doing is just subsidizing the uh, the corn industry. Yes, and like I said, the corn lobby is probably more more powerful than the tobacco or oil lobbies. I mean, there's yeah. there's too much at stake for them. It's just that nobody thinks they're a bad guy, right? Nobody's it's, targeting them. 
Exactly. That's why you don't hear about them. Now, we've talked about in the past on the show, uh, I believe Johnson brought it up, I'm certain Johnson brought it up, uh, about a device that you can put on your car that'll uh, inject uh, hydrogen into the fuel mixture and therefore make your car run like 40%, um, you know, on 40% the fuel or 60% of the fuel or something like that. Um, something like that, and that seems like a real, uh, you know, that seems like there's something gonna work. It's about a thirty-five hundred dollar uh, gizmo that you add to the car, and uh, obviously hydrogen doesn't work either. That's not hydrogen. This isn't hydrogen in the same way. Now, um, either way, hydrogen takes more energy to produce than you get out of it as a fuel because it doesn't exist in nature. Okay, I, I don't know enough about it to be able to make the arguments. So, well, and, in order to produce hydrogen, you have to separate it from anything it's bonded to because it doesn't. It doesn't exist in its free form in the atmosphere, at all, in the in the environment at all. And it takes so much energy to produce that hydrogen. It's just a good way of storing energy, yes, but of getting it, no. You've got to use so much just to get the energy out of it. Very good, Ryan. Any other thoughts? No, that's about it. Thanks for the expertise. Appreciate hearing from you. 800-259-9231. So we were talking about last hour at the end of the hour was that you're going to see prices of ice cream go up. You're going to see all milk products go up. Uh, you're going to see anything in regards to corn. Prices are going to go up because of these new uh, ethanol mandates at the gas pump. And if anybody wants to do any research on what I was just talking about, then go to IHSresearch.com. That's IHSresearch.com. What's that? It's it's about the uh, this H two N Gen box that'll save a crapload on, on fuel supposedly. Oh, okay, cool. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. I mentioned that, and I was just thinking about this. I didn't know that this was actually something that w- was worked on at one point. But I guess I'm not surprised that it was. But I mentioned last hour, you know, maybe we'd all be driving nuclear powered cars now if it weren't for all the uh, subsidies and protectionism that the government gives cert- uh, the oil business. In fact, Ford, in 1958, developed a nuclear-powered concept car. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine how uh, developed the nuclear car would be if it wasn't for everybody getting all crazy about nuclear fuel? Yeah. I mean, this is some of the safest uh, form of energy production. It really is. It's um, all domestic. You know, there's a lot of good things to be said about nuclear energy. In fact, uh, Penn & Teller, in this their more recent season of their great uh, great television show, BS, they did a uh, they did a show on nuclear energy, and it was fantastic. They really, I mean, I didn't know that much about it before the show started, because uh, I'd heard all this, the the usual scare stories. Oh, it's nuclear. It's radioactive. It's scary. Well, no. The marketplace can handle this, you know, pretty safely. In fact, um, if it weren't for the government mandates that have prevented new power structures, uh, power uh, facilities from being constructed in this company since the 1970s, we'd have all sorts of new uh, developments in in keeping nuclear power safe. Right. But because the government has stepped in and said no more power plants then no one's been able to really develop anything new and exciting. They, If they've been able to develop it, they haven't been able to implement it. They haven't been able to test it. They, I mean, it's just it's a sad, sad situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'd, we'd easily be able to power every square inch of this country with just a you know, few hundred more nuclear power plants scattered about, and we would have no shortage ever in uh, as far, you know, no rolling blackouts, none of that crap. It just wouldn't happen People with are nuclear just power. Yeah, and they're scared of it for no reason whatsoever. It's just been they've just been propagandized. In fact, let's talk a little bit about power. This is kind of interesting from uh, the International Herald Tribune. Excuse me, that's not where I'm going. I'm going to the New York Times actually. Gas prices are now rising. 
because of refineries' record failures. Oil refineries across the country have been plagued by a record number of fires, power failures, leaks, spills, and breakdowns this year, causing dozens of them to shut down temporarily or trim production. The disruptions are helping to drive gasoline prices to highs not seen since last summer's records. These mechanical breakdowns, which one analyst likened to an invisible hurricane, have created a bottleneck in domestic energy supplies, helping to push up gasoline prices 50 cents this year to well above $3 a gallon. A third of the country's 150 refineries have reported disruptions to their operations since the beginning of the year, a record, according to analysts. And this story goes on and talks about the terrible things that have been happening, you know, things breaking down, etc., etc. But, gee, hmm, let's see. We haven't been able to build a brand new refinery in America since, well, a couple decades. And so is it any surprise that essentially what is antiquated technology is breaking down? It's not holding up to the elements anymore? I mean, that's essentially what's going on here. It says no refineries... The article is not really entirely honest here. It says no refineries have been built in the United States in over three decades. Three decades! That's longer than I've been alive! Because refiners say they're too costly. That's not true. Well, it's not that the refineries cost too much to build. It's that getting around all the government red tape that's been put in the way, all the rules, the mandates, um, you know, letting, uh, getting people to let you build one in their particular community, that kind of thing, that's what's difficult. Exactly right. So instead, what they've been doing is expanding their existing refineries because likely they've been grandfathered in under whatever new regulations have been uh, have been implemented in those three decades. The existing refineries are likely to are are likely grandfathered in and allowed to keep operating in their their old capacity. And so they they've been allowed since they've been grandfathered in to expand the existing refineries. But again, there's still a lot of old infrastructure there. These sure. are things that have been sitting there for three decades or more and is it any surprise that they're just breaking down under the pressure? We can't handle the they can't handle the load. This is old antiquated equipment and this is what we're relying on for our power in this country. It's insane. If you if you continue to drive your Model A Ford every day to um, to and from work, sooner or later the metal's just going to give out. Even if you repair it, um, keep it maintained well and all that other stuff, it's not going to run forever. In late March, for example, a fire at a large compressor at a BP refinery caused a hydrogen treating unit that removes sulfur from some oil products to shut. That meant BP had to turn off a crude oil unit for early maintenance. Two weeks later, a brief power disruption damaged another distillation tower, and in July, a third crude oil tower was shut briefly so operators could fix a small leak. Since the first incident, the 405,000 barrels-a-day refinery has been running at about half its capacity. This isn't like a car you drive to and from work. This is like a car being driven 24 hours a day. It's true. And then stop from time to time to throw a couple of parts in there when some of them break down. Well, we can't handle this, man. It's difficult to make a, a fitting analogy because the machine was made to run it all day, every day. Right. But they also, when they were getting into the business, probably thought they'd be able to build some new ones from sure, time to time. I mean, there's no machine that's going to run forever. Right. You build a new one that can handle more capacity, you flip that sucker on, and then you can do some repairs at your leisure to the old one if you want to keep that ru- up and running. But they're so they're so strapped for uh, for production capability, they can't take these things down for very long. Otherwise, the, the prices are going to skyrocket. It'll be un- uncompetitive. Blame the government as soon as you see those gas prices going up. It's all their fault.
This is Free Talk Live. It is the live Saturday edition of the program. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231, the SACL-CAI toll-free line for you, 1-800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us online, freetalklive.com. Live streams are there. Broadband version of the show, dial-up version waiting for you for free anytime at freetalklive.com. I guess anytime we're live, I suppose, because... We're not on if we're not live. Anyway, freetalklive.com. It's totally free. As the dollar continues to drop, precious metals rise. Make the trend your friend by subscribing to the International Speculator. Go to d2z.org and add the right precious metal mining stocks to your portfolio. D2Z.org. Coming up, we'll tell you about a 10-year-old that was locked up in jail uh, for apparently no reason whatsoever. But we'll get to that. First to the phones and Jake in New Hampshire. You're on Free Talk Live. Jake. How you doing? Great. What's on your mind? Uh, I uh, was hearing about you guys talking about ethanol and all that, and there's a lot of things people don't probably realize. I mean, it might be it's, it sounds kind of like a clean way to do things as far as like you know like a uh, fuel source, but I don't think people grasp the fact on how much land we're going to have to have to grow all the corn just to make the fuel. Well, we just had Ryan call in from Texas to say even if we could grow all eth- I mean, if we could grow all the corn, we possibly, uh, if all the corn we grew went to ethanol, we'd only be able to make like 13% of it. So, I mean, yeah, it's just not possible. Well, I, I was watching, I, I was going through the channels like about a month ago, and I and I have to come across Glenn Beck, that that show on uh, Headline News there. Yeah. And uh, he was he had a graph up or like a a a, 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 a view of the United States, and he had. Reddened in all of New England, all of New York State, all of Pennsylvania, Maryland, like uh, all of D.C., um, Delaware, like basically the entire northeastern section, and said all that land, or just hypothetically, all that land would have to be used to grow just just enough corn to to make ethanol to supply the country. It's nuts. That, that's a lot of land, and I don't think people understand that. That it, it's just it's not it's not feasible. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and uh, and all that it really is is just a subsidy to the corn uh, the corn business. That's all it yeah, is. It, exactly, and and I mean, they see countries like Brazil who are doing it, but it's it, they're doing it a different way. I think they're using they're using rice, sugarcane, uh, sugarcane. Okay. What about hemp? That's what I want to know about. How effective is hemp as far as turning that into fuel? Yeah, probably good. I I really don't know, but I mean. Then again, people are going to have the hang-ups of, oh, God, we're powering our cars on weed and all this stuff. And oh, people need to get the hell over it because uh, yeah, hemp is, uh, is a very, very valuable crop. And as I can understand, as I understand it, it can be grown much much more dense than corn can. Yeah, and, and but, they, yeah, I mean, I totally agree with you, but there are people out there who are, you know, if you, you know, you know if, if someone said, I have the... The cure for AIDS, and it's smoking weed. They'd be like, "Whoa, hey, no, I don't want to do that." No, we no, need no, we, we need to keep the AIDS. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, people would say that. You know, it's just it's stupid. Yeah, I they've mean, been brainwashed by the government's propaganda, and it's really just sad. And that's a whole other issue. But thank you for the call, Jake. Appreciate hearing no from you at eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Yet another New Hampshire call. This one listening on WNTK. It's Rich in uh, Newport. Hello, Rich. Hey, how are you? Great. What's on your mind? Good. You just made the argument earlier that uh, LP gas would be unsafe as far as a vehicle blowing up, you know, if it was involved in an accident. Liquid propane Not every LP. accident, but it's my understanding that that's, that can happen in some, some accidents. Well, it certainly can happen more easily with a gas tank, you know, being in the LP business. I just want to inform you Please. That, that most tanks that are equipped on an LP gas truck come with safety valves 
and our double-line tank much more efficiently than a gas tank that's in, that's installed on your vehicle. Now, uh, you're talking about an LP, a vehicle that runs on LP gas. These are rarities. Absolutely. Okay. Now, you th- you, you're saying that a vehicle that runs on LP gas is safer in most wrecks, right? Absolutely. Okay. Now, Absolutely. Um, Double-line steel tank. Uh, it, it sounds safe. Uh, it, it's very drive rare. drive tractor that... trailer, run LP. Now, you, um, could, you could flip one of these things over on its sides, get it down the road a half a mile, and it won't even puncture the tank. Now, um, if... For if by chance, for whatever reason, um, the tank did get ruptured, the LP gas would then be more volatile. Than It'll be more volatile, but the, the absolute fact is that propane gas boils at 33 degrees, 36 degrees below zero. Uh-huh. Okay? So, it's so gonna, once it hits gas. the air, it vaporizes. Right. It'll tend to freeze faster than it'll find an ignition source. Okay. Okay? So... The fact of the matter is, is that any vehicle pro, uh, propelled by propane gas (LP), okay, is much safer than the than the vehicle you're driving today. What is it? Uh, is it government regulation that has prevented that uh, from becoming a, a real a reality in the world? I think it's I think it's more economy than anything else. Um, LP tends not. To that, that LP tends to not does. what? You, your your cell phone kind of burped on us there. What? That. The gasoline doesn't get uh, the, the LP doesn't get as the gas mileage that gasoline does. Oh, okay, I okay. Gotcha. But it burns much cleaner. It's better for your engine. You get more life out of your engine. Huh. Okay, but it doesn't burn as efficiently as as gasoline. And and in temperatures like we live in in New England, um, as the colder it gets, you know, you get less reliability out of it. Gotcha. Fair enough. Appreciate the the expertise, Rich, and thank you for the call. Okay, I just want to let you know too. Diesel fuel falls off from LP as they produce it. What's so? Oh, so as you produce LP, you make diesel fuel. You make diesel fuel. It's pretty much free. So for them to charge three three dollars a gallon for it is insane. Thanks for the call, man. Appreciate hearing from you. I love doing this show and having so many listeners um, everywhere because you learn things that you would have never known. I've learned more in the five years we've been doing this show than in my entire, I think, uh, government education system experience. You know, and it's it's guys like that. There's experts in everything running around in your daily lives. You just don't get a chance to talk to them about what it is that they're experts in. Well said. Yeah. 800-259-9231. Let's talk about this uh, 10-year-old boy that was put in jail for several days. What was it over, Mark? What was the allegation? You, you know, they're not real clear there, which uh, which which makes me suspect as to what it's all about. But it's sort of his experience and his mother's experience that makes it all very shocking. This is from a uh, – um, it's actually from a blog post. It was sent to me by a listener. Um, it's uh, if it's at, from sexoffenderissues.blogspot.com. So – it says, um, the title of it is, Who's the Criminal Here? I'm just speechless. Hello, my name's Dion, and my husband is a pediatrician in Lubbock, Texas. My 10-year-old son, now 11, and still not tried for any crime, was falsely accused of a crime and held for 10 days at the Lubbock County Juvenile Justice Center. This is not a TYC facility. I'm not sure what that Texas Youth Correctional. Yeah. Correctional, or something like that. Facility. It is a state-administered facility nonetheless. While being detained here, my son faced um, some of the same kinds of abuses suffered by those held at TYC. He was locked in his room for three hours at a time for not shutting a door correctly. I'm not sure what that means. And, you know, I guess that when they're, um, you know, in, in these little juvenile detention centers, getting locked in a room for three hours isn't terrible. On yet another occasion, 
They turned off his electricity and water. This sounds a little strange. Stripped his bed and took all the letters and pictures off of his wall. Hmm. Remember, we're talking about a 10-year-old boy. This could be a little traumatic. My son, who's very small, was hazed repeatedly by the detention officers and was threatened and told not to tell anyone. Now, this rings true to me. I, I would imagine... Uh, it's very As likely who's been in prison? that anybody, yeah, that the people that the people are hazed and these kids are hazed likely um, by the the correctional officers there. Wait, do we know why he was put in the the jail? No, they're, 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 she's not very uh, forthcoming on that particular issue. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. I mean, what could a what could a ten year old done? Wait right? until this shocking story comes out. All right, there's more to come on this. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Were you ever hazed in a, any sort of juvenile detention facility? Share your story with us. It's free talk live. Or bring up anything you take control would you like to help others find free talk live you can help us advertise market and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com consider becoming a free talk live amplifier now for three dollars a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com this is free talk live you can bring up anything the toll-free number is 800-259-9231 that would be the SACL CAI toll-free line for you, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site for free. The bulletin board system's there. We've got over 250,000 posts for you to surf around through. It's totally free, so enjoy those on us, uh, those posts, and get interactive over at bbs.freetalklive.com. That's bbs. freetalklive.com. And Free Talk Live has been brought to you and is brought to you by the Free State Project. Your only choice for more personal freedom and smaller, less intrusive government. To learn more about joining the Second American Revolution, go to freestateproject.org. That is freestateproject.org. Now, we just started a story about a 10-year-old boy who was put into some sort of youth detention hall, some government-administered facility in Texas, right? Correct. And uh, we're not sure what the reason was the youth was put in there, but it doesn't matter. I mean, there there are certain standards of uh, decorum that should be followed when it comes to administrating justice as, uh, or administrating a sentence for a, for a young person or Especially, for any human being. Right, for anybody and then um, probably a higher standard for young people. And you say that we just just started to scratch the surface of this, right? That you mentioned Correct. that there were hazings that went on? Right. What else? Um, the woman says, my, my son... The, By the, woman, the guards, not the yeah. other prisoners. Right, my son who was very small, was hazed repeatedly by detention officers and was threatened and told not to tell anyone. Of course. One guard told my son to go to his room, lean against his wall, and get ready for a cavity search. Oh, dear. He didn't even... I mean, a 10-year-old? Cavity searches? What? He didn't even know what it was. He was also placed in the middle of their pod by a guard who was uh, pulled out electric clippers and told my son they were shaving his head. He wasn't even allowed his weekly weekly phone call home. When he didn't eat all of his food, they threatened to make him wear a dress. They were, um, these were just a few of the things that we know about. After a little research, I found out in the past two years there have been two suicides and at least one allegation of rape. Hmm. When I complained to the director, Les Brown, about how my son was treated, and he had me banned from the building as an attempt to muzzle me, I reported the uh, Lubbock County Juvenile um, Justice Center to the Texas Juvenile Probation Commission, but it took them almost a year to investigate and file a report. Ooh, this is how the government. This is how the government works. They right. never police themselves. Of they always not. police us. Um, they protect it themselves is what they do. They close rank. The, the the report agreed that my son's rights were violated, but not that all of these violations rose to a significant level. The TJPC also agreed that some of these uh, violations and abuse did rise to a level requiring action. However. Only one individual was disciplined. One detention officer received a three-day suspension, with Probably no other consequences. Yeah, with no—I don't know whether it's paid or not. 
with no other consequences. More often to, than not, they're paid to anyone. Even if, even so, um, an un, unpaid three day suspension. I mean, that's a weekend for hazings Big and deal. Uh, abuse. I mean, for telling a little boy he's going to get a a ten year old boy he's going to get a body cavity search, telling him he's going to put him in a dress. Come on. Ironically, my husband um, does many of the physician uh, of the physicals for kids entering the STAR program here. So he has heard from other patients about how their kids were mistreated at juvenile justice center, and whose parents, like myself, were banned from the premises when they complained. Apparently, the leaders of the uh, juvenile justice centers, char- um, charged with helping and supervising our kids, would rather ignore problems at their sites, or sadder still, disregard the victimization of our children, and um, and what they might be going through. I hope the investigation... Customer satisfaction is not a priority for these people. Apparently not. I hope the investigation into TYC will uh, lead to other investigations of the institutions that our children are being locked in. The uh, Texas House and Senate members serving the Juvenile Justice and Family Issues and Criminal Justice Committees, respectively, cannot claim ignorance on these issues because we've sent um, each of them a packet detailing the abuses that occurred in Lubbock. I sent all of them, um, all of them via certified mail and received all the tags back. The only interest I ever received um, was from my Texas State House member, Carl Essett. Uh, Representative Essett does not even serve on these committees, but offered his assistance nonetheless, likely because it was his voter. Sure. Um, if you have any way of bringing these abuses to larger, you know, anyway, um, she needs, she wants help. And, and Good luck. W- yeah, good luck with it. But it's just... The, system's, it, the system is just wrong. I mean, the, the entire... The entire basis is backwards. It's it's not market-based. It's completely arbitrary. It's bureaucracy, just like any other bureaucracy. They're completely unaccountable for the things that they do. They've got, uh, they, they, they're pretty much sovereign immunity as far as uh, them making mistakes, or in, or in many cases not just making mistakes, but just doing wrong things and being awful to people. Very, us- very unusual for anybody, anyone to be punished. As you said, even the warden himself was protecting his guards in this particular case. Uh, they've got no incentive. You know, if it, if it were in a more of a free market system, Mark, then parents would consent to sending their kids to a certain facility, right? They would consent if their child was found, say, you know, vandalizing something somewhere, and for whatever reason they it was suggested that they go to some home and get some help, the parents would be in likely uh, a, a party to that process. And they, if they weren't, if their son wasn't being rehabilitated in the or rehabilitated in the way that they thought that he should be, or in the way that they were promised that he would be, mm-hmm. it'd be a breach of contract. They'd be able to go in there and reclaim their son at any time they wanted to, and say, you know, thanks, but no thanks. We'll take our son elsewhere. We'll take him to some uh, to a place that actually treats him like a another human being and and respects him. Uh, but that's just not an option with a government system. You so take what you get. So you're saying something like uh, a situation where a judge would ha- would meet out a sentence, say the kid got uh, I don't know 60 days in 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 jail. Then there would be facilities out there called jails, and uh, parents would have the choice of sending them to whichever jail they felt would be the best one for their child. That's in a more jail-based society. I personally don't think we would really have that in a more free market situation. I think that you would just simply find that restitution would be necessary, and if the if the child seemed as though he would not ever pay restitution or was very uh, against that sort of a concept, then jail would probably come into the picture. Then some sort of coercion would come in. But uh, if the child could could work it off by mowing lawns or something like that, then it would make more sense to keep the child free. Um, so I don't think that I don't think jail would be the first option. Mm-hmm. But if indeed that were the option, then you'd have these different centers competing for the for the young people. They'd be valuable to them. I think restitution is 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 a really great system. If somebody if a child steals, 
damages property, um, hurts somebody. When it comes to uh, you know making them give restitution, they have to think about it. When they're doing that labor, whatever it takes to earn that money, mm-hmm. they have to think about what they've done at, during that time. These um, these institutions that we've created, um, you know, to punish people. I'm not sure that they, they they seem to have created an industry for themselves. A lot of jails out there, and I'm talking about adult jails now. I've I've switched sure switched tracks. A lot of jails have uh, industries attached to them. They'll make they'll manufacture things. They'll have this cheap, uh, reliable inmate labor that they use. That sounds very dangerous to me. When you have an industry that's paying the prison system for the use of their convict labor and paying the convict labor um, also mm-hmm. uh, some pittance. Um, and then the then the institution takes some money from that for uh, housing the inmates. So they they get money from the inmates. They get money from both sides the the um, the manufacturer and the inmates. Then they have an incentive to keep people in longer. Um, they have an incentive. The judicial system itself has an incentive to send send more people to these uh, labor camps. Uh, it's it's right. a sick if it, scenario. If it were just the prisons that wanted to fill themselves, they wouldn't be able to. They have to have a, a zealous prosecutor out there, and a bunch of them, a bunch of zealous prosecutors to charge a bunch of people with crappy crimes like you know smoking joints and that sort of thing in order to fill the prisons in the first place. So, yes, you're right, Mark. It, it's certainly uh, it's not a good thing, the situation that we have today. It could be improved uh, if we were more restitution-based society and if we didn't have all these victimless crimes with which to fill the prisons with. If it weren't for all the victimless crime laws, laws against uh, drugs and prostitution and things like that, not that prostitutes are going to work camps, but my my point remains, a a tremendous percentage of prison population are victimless criminals. And uh, if it weren't for all of those laws... Mostly drugs. That's correct. If it weren't for all those laws, things would be a lot different. I've heard numbers like um, 85% of crimes are drug-related. Now, that doesn't mean that they're all... You mean actual crimes, like actual crimes. property is being damaged, someone's being harmed. Crimes in, No, crimes... Uh, 85% of people who are in prison are in there for some kind of drug-related offense. Be I see. It possession of some drug, sales of some drug, um, you know, uh, trafficking some drug, or uh, com- breaking into a, uh, uh, someone's home to get money for drugs, breaking into businesses to get money for drugs, holding people up to get money for drugs, all these things. If drugs are legal, it's likely that we could see a huge reduction in crime. I'm not going to say 85%, but you, it's It'd likely you could see 50 It'd be overnight, too. It would. Uh, 800-259-9231, your prison experiences, or how would you change the system? And if when you I, could when improve- I say legalized drugs, I'm wrong. Re-legalized drugs, because all drugs were legal at the turn of the um, 19, eight, um, 1900. Totally true. If How would you change the system? You share your vision with us. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It is the live Saturday show. Only moments remain, but just enough time for your call. If you make it now, 800-259-9231 is the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us online, freetalklive.com, the place to go. The feature's there for free. Though, if you'd like to support the show, maybe you should bid on our auction at auction.freetalklive.com. It's an auction for the fourth banner on our website. You get it site-wide for an entire month. You can advertise virtually anything if you're the winner at auction.freetalklive.com. Let's go to the phones and to the fun across several ponds to Australia. Richard, you're on Free Talk Live on the Amp Line. G'day, guys. G'day, Seth. Sounds, like sounds like a good government-approved waterboarding would have sorted out that little 10-year-old. Jeez. <laughs> That's probably coming next. Well, waterboarding yeah. isn't torture. George Bush said so. That's right. 
Uh, just quickly uh, answer to your question on the hemp as a, a fuel. Uh, the hemp oil that you extract could be used as a biofuel in diesel cars. So, yes, you could. I don't know the economics, but you could grow hemp and produce fuel to run cars from it. Well, we are being t- – you were told, Mark, by uh, by Ryan, who called in earlier. He sent you an online, I guess, uh, email or something that said that apparently the energy density or something like that of hemp is just not sufficient. Not to make uh, g- gasoline, but uh, that doesn't mean they could make some kind of biofuel. Yeah, yeah. Look, not not as gasoline. No, it's. It, I agree with that. But as a a biofuel to run in a, a a diesel car, yes, you can use it. Gotcha. And is it more? Can you? Am I right to about that? You can grow more hemp per square foot than you can um, corn. Anything. I don't know the answer to that. I believe that that is the case. Richard, any other thoughts? Uh, no, not unless you want to hear how the Australian government uh, exercised their first use of our anti-terror laws. Yeah, tell me about it. Yeah, what's that? What's that mean? Yeah, look, we had a we had a, a poor Indian bloke over here who was uh, connected. He was an Indian doctor here, connected with uh, this the, that car that was on fire being driven into the airport in in Glasgow. Oh. They used the yeah they used the um, the new powers they've given ASIO over here, our, our CIA equivalent, to hold him the three days without charge. Then they applied for another five days. So he was held two days in court till they were finally granted that. So he was held without charge for 10 days. Mm. Then when he applied with... Uh, then he was ultimately charged with recklessly supporting terrorism. He the hell does that mean? What it means in this case was when he left India, he said to his cousin, there you go, mate, just uh, take my, my SIM card. And this guy, because it's still got a bit of money left on it, and his cousin then... Um, was involved in this terrorist plot, so he was charged with recklessly supporting. Wait, because he gave his cousin something that had a little bit of money on it, like a debit yeah, card, it's just like a phone card that had a bit of had a little bit of money left. And he said, "Look, there you go, use it up. I'm not going to use it in." So it didn't matter. Didn't matter whether or not he had any knowledge of the the terrorism. Just because he was financially connected, he's being punished. They're speculating that he should have reasonably suspected that his cousin was involved in terrorist activity. It doesn't really seem quite a, a fair speculation. Well, of course I mean, not. Oh, no, it doesn't. No, not at all. God, not, Why I'm would one speculate that? At all. Well, apparently, Mark, you should be aware and you should be investigating all of your family members as soon as you come across them because they could all be connected to terrorism and you don't want to get, you don't want to get caught up in all this, do you? So if you don't want to get caught up in one of our terrorism investigations, then you better start investigating everyone you know. And remember the children. And the the final kicker for this poor bugger was that uh, he applied for bail. As soon as he uh, got granted bail, the immigration minister said, we don't want people of this character in this country, and cancelled his visa, and he went into a detention centre. That's pretty scary, man. Oh, it is. And, you know, it was funny. It was um, my my wife, I have similar talks that Mark seems to have with, with his wife, but she turned around to me on this one and she said, you know, that's really crossing the line. And you know what? Eventually, they're going to cross more and more people's lines, and I'm sorry that it's happening there in Australia. It seems like they're uh, they're taking cues from both uh, Great Britain and yep. uh, the United States, and I'm sorry you're going down that same path. Uh, I wish you a good weekend, and thanks for the call, sir.
800-259-9231. It's the responsibility of every citizen to keep an eye on their government to make sure that their government isn't, uh, you know, participating in any kind of abuses. Yeah. You've got I, to look past the flag. It doesn't matter whether it's the Australian flag or the American flag. They're great flags. I love them. I'm a patriotic guy. You've got to look past the flag and look at the individuals in charge. Right. I, I think that it's far more likely that the government's going to do something awful than a member of my family or my next-door neighbor. Let's go to the phones uh, to Lakeland, Florida, listening on WLKF. It's Graham. Hello, Graham. This evening. Graham, how are you? Good. You, uh, you mentioned a couple victimless crimes, and uh, I'm going to have to disagree with you. Uh, you, you mentioned prostitution. Uh, which I don't believe is a victimless crime. Why is that? Um, that's basically giving a person an opportunity to spread disease. Um, well, uh, promiscuous sexual activity causes sexually transmitted diseases. I would absolutely every, agree with you, um, Graham. If that, person is, if that person is infected, every single person that that prostitute sleeps sure. with has you're, become a victim. Absolutely. You're, you're, repeating, you're repeating yourself. Yes, I absolutely agree that if somebody is knowingly spreading diseases, they're assaulting people. But um, in in a world where prostitution was legal, then um, wouldn't people be concerned about diseases? No more than they are now. Oh, I think they'd be very, very concerned. And I think that uh, likely um, people would want to frequent prostitutes that had been, I don't know, checked out and certified. Here's a shocker for you. Did you know that in the state of Nevada, where prostitution is legal, the prostitutes are indeed checked and certified on a fairly regular basis by by qualified personnel? I did know that. I also know that the first person they sleep with after their test may have a disease, and they will spread that disease until they're tested the next time. I bet that they're very concerned about that, and that likely they use protection so that they don't get diseases, too. Yeah, they absolutely um, the, do. The fact is that illegal prostitution pre- spreads far more diseases than legal prostitution. Yep. And it's also, uh, it puts the girls in uh, danger of uh, being raped and, and assaulted by dangerous Johns. It puts the Johns in danger of being uh, robbed by, uh, by less than scrupulous prostitutes and their, uh, their gangbanger friends. Uh, the, the fact you don't is think the taking... laws actually stop prostitution, do you? I think that it does discourage a lot of people from picking up prostitutes. But what? No. But it, it and people felt like they could do it without uh, any consequence or repercussion. I think it would be far more rampant. I, I I would totally agree with you that the, the laws, you know, laws do make it, um, you know, so fewer people do it. But that doesn't change the fact that the danger is far more prevalent because these girls don't get certified now. They're driven underground. Well, also what the laws do is the laws ensure that you'll always have streetwalking prostitutes because the fact is that in today's world. 85% of the prostitution business are not streetwalking prostitutes. They're in-call girls and they're out-call girls. They're un- you don't know that they're there. Uh, but the fact is, if you were to legalize prostitution, all the streetwalking ladies would go away. Of course, hopefully we'll also legalize drugs at the same time, which is the reason a lot of the girls are on the streets in the first place, is because they're hooked on heroin and they're hooked on meth. They can't afford the black market prices, so they have to sell themselves in order to be able to, uh, to buy that stuff from their pimps. So that would all go away because uh, the price of drugs would be drastically cheaper. They wouldn't have those. Uh, if they had an addiction, they'd be able to afford it with a job at McDonald's, and they wouldn't be able to walk the streets because they wouldn't be able to compete with the prostitutes running uh, running businesses from legitimate business locations. It, they would just run the streetwalkers out of business. So, I mean, there's all well, kinds you, of reasons to legalize, sir. You, you bring you bring up another legitimate point, which is drugs, and you also listed uh, drug use as a victimless crime. Um, but in the same breath, you said that 85% of all crimes are drug-related, whether it's possession or somebody breaking into a house for money for drugs. Right. If you legalize drugs, 
They're still not going to have the money for drugs. They're skilled. Yes, they will. You've, you've made a mistake there. Now, um, alcohol, when it was illegal, cost a heck of a lot more in real dollars than it does now. Um, you don't see anybody breaking into anyone's house for beer money, do you, or for cigarette money? These are drugs. These are addictive um, substances. They're mind-altering. So, you know, um, obviously, cigarettes are more addictive, and alcohol is more mind-altering. But I mean, we have drugs that are legal today. Right, and and all of the crimes we're talking about, the so-called crimes, they are totally consensual crimes. A, a, a person who engages in sex with a prostitute has consented. They understand the risks, then there are some risks. Anytime you have sex with anybody, whether or not you're paying them, you're, using risking, a condom. you're risking disease. So why but you want to throw people in jail for that is really confusing to me. You're, you're wrong when you say that people don't break in to steal cigarettes and beer. They break into liquor stores every single day. But to, to get money, beer. They, they, they break into liquor stores. for they, they rob liquor stores, not break into them so much, for money. They rob liquor stores for money. They break in at night to steal cigarettes and beer. It doesn't happen um, very often. Come on. You know that's mean, the case. Do, do you really, wouldn't you really um, rather have the crime that comes from cigarettes and alcohol, the minuscule amount of crime, than the crime that comes from crack? The, the amount of crime, actually, if you if you calculate DUIs and accidents and death rates associated with DUIs... I don't count I would, that at all. I would bet. I would bet. You know, Graham, we're short on time, and I wish we could talk to you more. I wish you'd call back at the beginning of an hour sometime, but I, I'd much rather have all these products be legal and available on the marketplace, take them out of the hands of criminals, take them out of the black market. You want to apparently enrich criminals. I mean, that's what you're doing by making these things black market Gangs. products. Gangs are what control these So, you know, you're putting your family in danger, and I hope you realize that. Call us back next week, Graham. Appreciate the time, and uh, we'll be back Monday night uh, online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. Have a great weekend, everyone. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supplies, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com. 